Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And it is our second part uh, draft. You know it's really put me off boys, right? So if Andy and Pete on again, how are you lads? I'm good Steve, how are you? Not too bad, long time no speak. Andy, <laughs> you're working today, you're still living bro? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks mate, yeah, all good. Do you know what's really put me off lads, right? So the uh, YouTube thing, so we're giving away a free Charles Watson jersey, right? So happy days. Uh, all great and I've been finding footage of him but part of the video that I'm doing I went back to some old um, interviews with Leroy Butler and the Gravedigger and Mason Crosby and everything else I'm dropping names all over the place here Um, I'll just get the sweeping brush and hoover them up right so I'm putting these things in and my old intro to the podcast I shouted like an excited child so now I see how calm and laid back I am and it's it's a nice contrast so apologies is all I'll say to the listeners and to you, lads, uh, for screaming like an absolute lunatic at the start of the podcast. But, lads, we have this uh, second part of this defensive draft stuff. Um, Andy, online, are you seeing anything moving and shaking to do with uh, after our offensive type of stuff? Do you see any trends hitting? Have people hit on your sleepers, and is it still driving you absolutely insane? <laughs> it's never going to go away, that, Stephen. Is it? It's, it's going to be a, a constant we all live with. I think it's one of those things that, Leading up to it, the last seven days before a draft, we, we we need to go into bunker mode and just bunker up. You've done you've done all your research, you've done all your you've done all your planning, and, and let everybody else sort of fritter away for seven days until the, the day itself. Yeah, because I think they've listened to the podcast and they've jumped on Antonio Gibson, for instance. Now, Peter, oh. uh, you you well, we all put the draft document together. Uh, Andy gave you some absolute expertise. I gave you some sort of Packers related stuff. But let's face it, the, the huge majority of the thing was yours. You sit down, you do all your player profiles. Has it ever? Have you ever done the draft guide, which is on site now, by the way? If people go to ukparkers.co.uk and hit the blog, there's has its own little section. Peter, do you ever write these profiles and go in and jot them down and then you see some moves and shakes and you've predicted someone to be a fifth round pick and all of a sudden he's now predicted to be third round because he's flavor of the week? Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that does happen. That absolutely does happen. Uh, as, as Andy described, as we get closer to the draft, that stuff happens. But I'm sure it doesn't happen because we've written it down, Steve. Are you sure? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's interesting every year, you know, I, I remember last year, I don't remember the specific names, but in the two or three days leading up to the draft, there was a lot of stuff about this wide receiver and that wide receiver were suddenly, you know, whispers that this team was going to take them in the first round and that team was going to take them in the in the first round. And, and they were guys that I think we'd got kind of as third rounders and they ended up going in the third or fourth round. But so those, those whispers kind of kind of appear and people jump on the bandwagon, but they're not always, you know, they're not always what turns out to happen. And you are a massive fan of Ron Wolf. I think both of you are right, because Andy, you were saying on the last podcast as well that like he's your gold standard, basically. And from all of the books you boys have read about, you know, draft strategy and technique and the old days of the Packers, how much do you think or do you know that the front offices and, and the scouts and everything else feed into this sort of frenzy now it might be that obviously they scout these guys for years their whole college career um so i don't think 
you know, someone talks about them on Twitter and they all of a sudden go, we have to have them. But when it comes to, we'll take Antonio Gibson again as the example, like from us talking about him and not because of we were talking about him. You know, his draft stock seems to be rising and he's on everybody's mock draft. He's been on every single one of mine, for instance, a grand total of zero. Um, so he's a player that... He he's worth what? What are we saying? A fifth round pick, but they might have to pick him early now, just because people seem to be coveting his skills. Let's say, do you think that these front offices get sucked into this kind of hype and have to go earlier than they think they should? I think it's interesting that I saw a piece online this week, Steve, that the um, it was obviously a source close to to a front office or two actually, and they said that what they thought this year was that the. Uh, the Twitterati and the guys that you know, sort of look at the draft as a, as a bit of a hobby were so far off really, <laughs> in terms of their ratings and mocks this year than they've ever been, which I thought was quite interesting. So, you know, if you think about players, that, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of some players who've dropped horrendously. What was yeah. The guy last year, Peter, that um, was the edge rusher that we talked about for, for a long time and then ended up going in the fourth round. And there was a guy called Andrew Billings that was, you know, slated to go round one a couple of years ago and ended up going round six. So there's, there's going to be a lot of people that drop for various reasons and um, whether it's, you know, whispers of character or whispers of failed drug tests or things of that nature. So, yeah, but I thought that was quite interesting that the piece this week came out and said that they were a long way removed from what they had on their board and and how they saw things. So they obviously do look at it. And it it makes you wonder this year, doesn't it? Um, So Ja'Kai Polite was the guy we were thinking from last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, It makes you wonder this year whether because... You know, the pro days were cut off on, on March the 17th because of, you know, the COVID-19 stuff. So there were no more official pro days after after March the 17th. And it makes you wonder whether, you know, the teams have had to do a lot more telephone calls, a lot more interviews via telephone. They've had to delve into stuff perhaps in a different way than they've ever had to before. Um, and it makes you wonder whether it's meant that they're, approach to this year's draft has meant that they've come out with I don't know how to put it slightly different results than they would do in any other year yeah oh absolutely yeah can you imagine Ted Thompson in the current climate how he would survive <laughs> you know someone who was by his own admission very much a, you know he would go and see players personally wouldn't he he would fly all the way out to Texas yep. or to California and he'd have to be there for the pro day and he'd be there for the games and etc etc he wouldn't be able to exist would he in this sort of scenario, I don't think. He would find it difficult, shall I say. I don't think he wouldn't be able to exist, but he'd find it really difficult, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's such a weird dynamic. Um, but Mark Murphy did say that. So he sat down with Larry McCarron and Larry asked him about the difficulty, you know, because obviously once we get past the draft, there's even, lads aren't going to be able to work out. So there's all this sort of, you know, video sessions and it's such a weird arena for athletes to be sitting in, looking at a computer screen um, and doing it. But Mark Murphy said that it's the really smart and the well-organized and clever organizations that will come out of this okay, whereas the more poorly organized ones won't. And I think anybody who has a job kind of, you know, working with remote teams, it's a whole different beast when you're dealing with a dude um, who's sitting on the opposite side of the world or the opposite side of the country or whatever. Um, so, yeah, and especially like sports, when does this ever happen? It's okay for all of us to work in offices or whatever, but dudes who are into athletics, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, absolutely. It's a completely, hopefully, a, you know, a one-off scenario that, that they've never been in before and certainly hopefully will never be in again. I guess the other thing is is the medical concerns that, that teams will have about players. You know, there'll be... There'll be some players that, that perhaps at the combine have had chance to to pour over their their medical reports and, and get you know um, at least um, some level of comfort 
with mm. those guys. But there'll be a bunch of guys further down the draft, in particular in the middle to later rounds, where you know they've not had chance to get the team doctor to look at their to look at their medical reports, to examine them themselves, and and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, certainly those guys, you would have to you have to imagine that that teams aren't going to be taking a taking a chance in the middle rounds on a guy that's got a medical concern that they've got no comfort over. It kind of goes both ways though, right? Because you'd sort of think as well, I wonder how many, and again, it's funny that I mentioned it and who pops right into my head but Jason Spriggs, who's been signed by the Bears, by the way. Um, and Andy, <laughs> you even alluded to it, I was like, second rounder, Jesus, and you said, yeah, traded up second round, which again, hurt me. Um, so it's <laughs> it's bonkers that like for a guy like him, you'd wonder, are there players, they're not saying that this is the case with him or whatever, although it's in retrospect, this scenario here that I'm about to paint would probably make sense but if you go to watch these guys and you kind of get swept up in their physicality or their physical traits which doesn't always translate so you'd imagine that that takes the heart I guess out of some of this stuff so they have to rely on tape they have to rely on measurables which aren't always indicative of what type of player they're going to be of course uh, but Andy doesn't it stop people romanticizing when they see some guy and he has a charismatic interview and they start swooning all over yeah, I think people. I think, like you say, people are going to take less chances. Yeah, there'll be less trades as well. I think it's going to be too. I don't know. It's it's foreign alien territory for most of these guys, isn't it? So I think you'll see less trades, less moving and shaking, uh, and less gambles, like you say, just sort of taking a bit of a swing and a punt. So because there's less information freely available, isn't there? So I think people are more likely to go with um, slow and steady. That would be my view. Yeah, and this, and again, we we approached the offense on the last podcast. So if people want to listen to that, they can go and go to the draft uh, guide. Now the draft guide's been very well received. So there's there's people viewing it from Istanbul, from Germany, all over the states, uh, Australia, Australasia, in fact, Asia, um, Ireland, UK, of course. Um, so it's been been very well received. I'm tripping off myself. I don't know why I can't say that phrase. Um, so we're gonna focus on the defense this time round. And again, the the Packers have been constantly criticised, Peter, haven't they, for investing too much draft capital in defensive players over the years. When it comes to this draft, and again, I know I sort of spoke about it and, and asked it on the last one as to, you know, do we is it a defence-centric or offence-centric? Do you try strike a balance? Can we even answer that because we don't know how the board is going to fall? But is one certainty in this draft that we're not going to be going for edge rushers? In the, or, I mean... And, and the other question that I'd have as well is, right, the big buzz is the inside linebacker uh, role. But do we look more at the likes of cornerbacks and safeties who can play that hybrid linebacker? Because we all know we don't play that usual 3-4, uh, you know, inside linebackers apparently under Mike Petten's system aren't that important that he plays all these inventive, you know, defensive back packages. Uh, what can we expect then around that arena, Peter, in this draft, do you think? Well, I think I think if I think if we're really honest, you could you could see the Packers picking up players at, at, at all defensive positions in, in in this draft. I think I think you're right in terms of the edge rusher wouldn't be your number one priority given last season's free agency and, and Rashan Gary with the first pick last year. Um, but you can expect them to to pick one late later on. Certainly take a punt on a guy. But I think as we as we touched on. The, the other day, you could almost make a case at pick 30 for for any position, and you know you could you could argue that 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 case, and I, I think probably argue argue it very well. Mm. Uh, in an in an ideal world, I think for the Packers at that, at that first round pick, if they were if they were going to go defense, I think you're looking at defensive line or 
or inside or inside linebacker. It's just going to depend on on how, like you say, on how that how that board falls. And Andy, then for you, you did say the sort of the sweet spots for you were defensive line, um, offensive line, and wide receiver. Do you think it's defensive line at all costs? And I guess to tack on to that, we did talk about the importance of Kenny Clark. Is the expectation that he gets that monster extension this year? Or do you think they ride it out for a year and take the chance next year? Or would that be just, you know, cap suicide? Uh, I think he'll get the extension. It's a, it's a case of when, not if. So I think they'll ride it out and see and see if they'll they'll have several conversations along the way and see if one clicks, won't they? So, um, in, in terms of where we are defensively, well, they've invested a lot of draft capital, but you still have to remember they, you know, as of this year, if you if you start the season tomorrow, they'd have four free agent pickups as starters. Yeah. So if you've got Kirksey and Amos and the, and the Smith brothers, so for all that they've invested a lot of draft capital, they've still had to pitch in four guys from of the markets to make it work so uh, I think like Peter says every position's in play isn't it uh, defensive lineman would be um, the number one priority on this side of the ball uh, closely followed by inside linebacker and only because we haven't prioritised it in years gone by and so uh, I'd be surprised if we we sort of broke out a kilter there and did something different so um, but those would be the two positions but I think that each position will get a look absolutely I think the uh, the edge rushes we need a fourth man don't we so I think the fourth spot's up for grabs to mm. replace uh, Backrill um, I think we need cornerbacks it'd be interesting to see what happens in the off season with the likes of Josh Jackson and Williams and things of that ilk um, we've got some young players at safety who have got potential but it, but again it wouldn't surprise me if either they dip into the market in the later rounds or somebody sort of falls to them at, um, that they see as a value pick up so it'd be interesting and Peter when we look at this then right so the name I constantly see out there is Patrick Queen. And would he, and again, I know where we're sort of talking about we need D linemen, um, but people just can't take their heads away from the linebacker position. So can you tell us a bit about Patrick Queen and can you tell us what your prediction would be come round one and if you were to go defensive, if we're sort of putting the wide receiver into the second round, um, what would your pick be between D lineman or linebacker and can you throw a couple of names at us then and their, their qualities, let's say, at those positions, yeah, I mean, I think I think if you were to, you know, Pat, Patrick Queen for me is a mid to late first round pick. Um, I, I think that he probably goes towards the middle of the first round, um, and the reason the reason the reason I say that is because there's not many of them in terms of inside linebackers available this year that are that are, you know, first potential first round picks. Um, you know, you've got. Isaiah Simmons, if you want to talk about him as a linebacker, but he's going in the top five, so you can kind of forget, or top top ten, maybe six or seven, but you can kind of forget about him, and then you're kind of left with with Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma and and, and Patrick Queen of of LSU. Both of those guys are, are, are athletic guys. Um, I think I think that, that Queen's more of a sideline to sideline player, and I think that. I think that Murray's more of a a run stopper, downhill, quick, quick guy. Um, my concern about Queen is only that he's basically started one year. Yeah. So, so although he's been, you know, been around LSU for three years, one one real year as a as a starter, and that would be my my concern. So he's one of those guys that, if we were sitting here a year ago trying to project forward the draft 
you know, a, a year hence, his name would have been way down our radar of players to be looking at. Yeah. So, so he's one of those guys that's just as the season's gone on, he's just gradually raised up in in, in what is quite a a weak um, linebacker class, and has almost just suddenly found himself, you know, being projected from the third round and to the second round and to the first round, and the combines kind of secured his position somewhere towards towards the end of the the end of the first round. So he would absolutely be value if he was the, if he was there at at 30 and I know and I would have I would have no no problem with that with that pick and the same with and the same with Kenneth Murray as well from Oklahoma um I I'm like Andy my preference would be defensive line rather than rather than inside linebacker but I want a defensive lineman that's going to play every every down preferably and we touched on a couple um on whichever day it was we did the the offensive um, draft preview. We, we we slipped into a couple of defensive linemen there. Um, Ross Ross Blacklock of, of of TCU, good against the run, decent but not great pass rusher. Um, the question marks, I guess, about him would be the fact that he's had a couple of injuries across his career. So he'd be one of those guys that you didn't need to be happy that you were, you know, that you understood his medical status and was and was, you know, everything was okay there. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of there's a couple of other guys, um, Neville Gallimore of o- Oklahoma, um, similar type player, and then one we didn't mention the other day, um, Justin Madabuike of Texas A&M, and that's easy for me to say, isn't it, Madabuike? <laughs> um, um, so he's he's uh, I would say he's more of a more of a run stuffer than he is a, a pass rusher. Um, I think he's got just just into double figures part, uh, sacks in his in his college career, so he's an okay pass rusher, but more of a more of a run stuffing guy. Um, I think the problem with Blacklock, Gallimore, Madabuike, in an ideal world, those guys are, are more high second round picks than they are first round picks. So 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 you know you'd be preferring to take those guys at forty than you would at thirty. Um, but you kind of it's it's, it's it's a bit of a bit of a needs must. If if that's where, you know, Goody and the guys see the see the hole, then I would expect it to be one of those one of those three early. And what about yourself, Andy? Would you concur with the same names? And do you think that the Packers should go defense first? And on top of that, is the talent enough at D line and linebacker that we would double dip in this draft? And who would you sort of select if that double dip is true on the higher end? And then in the later rounds, what are the couple of names of your sleeper picks that you'd be looking at here? If we start with D-line, I think, um, looking at the crop, um, Brown and Kinlaw will be long gone before we pick. They're two, they're two beasts. Uh, I think Peter nails it in terms of the, the value for Blacklock, who I like, um, for Gallimore. Um, I'm not even going to attempt Justin's <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> I think the big, the big guy from Alabama, he divides opinion, but he's got a surname Davis, so he's going to have a chance. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there's Jordan Elliott um, for Missouri. So after those guys would be uh, the sort of the spot where I'd be looking, to be honest. And you're probably looking at probably the end of the between the sort of middle and towards the back end of the second round for those guys for me. Um, towards the back end, there's, there's not a there's not a lot, Steve. To be honest, yeah. um, depends what you what he desires. Oh, really? I think the guy from Utah, Foto, would be a run stuffer, but he, he offers little in pass rush. 
Um, there's a utility guy that's probably more suited. It's probably going to be listed as an edge player, but I think he just strikes me as a bit of a, a Packers player. Um, it's a guy called Jason Strobridge from North Carolina. Um, if I said he's a bit like Zadarius Smith, that's probably egging him on a little bit too much. But <laughs> Peter probably knows what I mean when I say that in terms of his style of play. Yeah, he's he's quite he's quite adept at stopping the run. He sets the edge well, um, uh, but he's also got you know he's got quite a, a brute force sort of pass rush as well. So I quite like him. I don't think he's the answer to all our run stuffing problems, but I think he would be a, a certainly an option there. Um, an inside linebacker. Um, Again, I think the sweet spot for us would be around round three. I think Queen and Murray will both be gone, long gone before we pick at uh, at 30. So we'd have to sort of trade up to get one. And I'm not a fan of that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of guys, isn't there? It depends what you're, um, it depends what you're looking for in terms of inside linebackers then. Uh, there's a guy called Troy Dye from Oregon. Um, a bit of a bit of a lighter guy. Reminds me of Nick Barnett, Peter. I don't know what you think. He reminds me of him a little bit. Uh, there's a guy, Jordan Brooks, from Texas Tech. And then Mark, the guy I liked sort of at the turn of the year was a guy called Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Um, he's a bit more of a thumper uh, in terms of the way he plays. But um, given the guys that we've got on the roster right now, I think he would complement them quite well. Um, later on, I think if you're looking at later round guys, uh, there's a guy called Logan Wilson from Wyoming um, and a guy called Davian Taylor from Colorado. Uh, and those two... Again, very different. Um, and a guy called My, uh, Michael Walker. Those would be the three to look out for probably in, in later rounds. Yes, I would. I, yeah, I absolutely would agree with those. And 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 you're right. I mean, the likes of of, of Harrison and and um, Jordan Brooks. If, if if you're picking up those guys in in say the third or fourth round, those those are good, are good solid pickups. Um, we like Jordan Brooks in this household because he went to the same high school as my wife. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Get him now. <laughs> um, the same high school as, and- as Andrew Luck. So we, um, yeah, but but yeah, I totally totally agree with An- Andy there. There's 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 plenty of guys in those in those in those middle rounds, but you know you're not expecting to pick up the next Ray Nitschke in 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 this draft. Yeah, you see, the thing that kind of concerns me about positions is is that when we have a draft, and as you've expertly put it on the last podcast, in wide receiver, that is just you know, wall-to-wall talent, you know, deep down into this draft class. And then when I see the likes of these D-linemen and linebackers, and once you get outside the top three or four, you have sort of players that can do some things very well, but other things not so great. And like, how many times have we seen that with the Packers? You know, we start off to, uh, you know, a good start, some good run stuff, and and then we realise we've been facing second and third tier running backs while other lads have been getting sick and injured um, and everything else. So, you know, we have certain players who are kind of soaking up more of the pressure and then they fatigue it the later on in the season that they get. Now, when we came onto this podcast, Peter, you said that you were working on the 2021 doc already. So delving into those college <laughs> players and like we S you not people. So what I would ask for this, Peter, is and I know it's extremely early doors. And the minute anyone sends me a mock draft thing for 2021 or 2022, that's when you get unfriended and excommunicated from my life. So when it comes to this though, Peter, right, you, you have your finger on the pulse with this document. When you sort of look at this draft and you see the talent that they have, like in wide receiver and everything else, you look at some of these guys and if some of these lads are going to be gone, 
would there be credence into looking ahead of 2021? Now, I don't know if this is true and this is what I'm looking for you to answer, right? If if there's a deep class as it stands and it can all change with injury and everything else and maybe the college season doesn't even go ahead, is that if you project ahead and you see some decent linebacker classes coming out next year, some good interior D linemen, do you put all your eggs in one basket to a degree and go sort of offense-centric here and forget about some of these boys if they're going to be taken and sort of take a punt on later rounds, not really expecting them to do a whole lot and sort of hold off till next year? Or do you always draft for now? Well, I, 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 think, I, think, you, I think you draft for future years, but based on what this year's draft class is. I, I, I don't think that, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have an eye on, on, on next year's class. So, for example, corners immediately jump out at me as there's quite a number of talented corners that that, that may be available in, in next year's draft. But it's a long time between now and next, and, next year's, and next year's draft. And we already talked about Patrick Queen, for example, that, that almost came from nowhere to be a first round pick this year. Um, I, I don't. I think I think it's I think it's too far away to start looking at saying you know next year's draft looks like it's going to be deep in this position or that position, and therefore we don't draft it this year. I I I, I think you have to deal with what what you know here and now. Hmm. But that that's just that's just my view. So it's interesting though that you say that it could be quite deep a cornerback depending on how it all pans out. So I guess before we get to the exciting stuff with cornerbacks and safeties and sort of you know we can talk about Kevin King and his contract is up um, next year and with his injury history albeit he played 15 games last year so he, he was actually quite healthy but for me the tandem of him and Alexander they're not shut down corners yet they did some really clever nice stuff but there's also some deficiencies where they both caught uh, caught on the bounce Um, if we talk about edge rushers here Andy it, like, have you even looked at edge rushers for this? Because we, you know, I wouldn't say stacked because we don't really know what we have in Rashan Gary yet, but we certainly have an extra body on the roster that was, you know, pretty expensive being a first rounder. Um, when it comes to edge rushers here, is your assumption then that we don't go high on edge rushers? Um, is there a player in there, Andy, that's so fantastic that if for whatever reason he was to fall down uh, to our pick in the first round that you go, do you know what? It's against the grain, but we just have to take him. And if not, then... Is, are these edge rushers for us just going to be left till sort of the junkier rounds, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, and that all of the higher ones are going to be on positions they need? Um, well, I think there's a possibility there's one guy who's listed in, he's listed as an edge rusher in some quarters, but he's not really. The D-line can play the five technique or the three technique. And that's uh, AJ Epineza from Iowa. Yeah. I think I think because of his poor combine, I think he'll, he'll drop. Um, and if he does, I think he'd be a, a really tempting fit for the Packers. Um, I think he's a blue collar player, uh, and I like what he brings to the table. He's got really heavy hands. He really sort of holds on a scrummage. So it, I would be, I'd be quite chuffed with a pick like that. So I think he's an option, even though he's listed as a an edge player in some quarters. Um, I think they would be enamoured with Terrell Lewis from what I'm hearing from Alabama, um, a college that they like to to recruit from, um, just with his physical tools. Really, he's got a history of injury, and he's had some naughty injuries. But I think that. Wherever he lands, I think you'll see a better NFL player than what you've seen at college because of the injuries he suffered. So he'd be somebody I think we'd covet. Whether or not we'd dip in at the expense of somewhere else would be debatable. Um, but after that, no, you're looking at later rounds for me, Steve. I don't think there's anybody else that we would consider in the top sort of four rounds. Um, uh, the guy I like later on is a guy called uh, Alex Highsmith. 
um, out of a small college called Charlotte. He's just an all-out effort guy, uh, decent size, um, six three, six four, um, and I think he'd be just a, he could come in and do a job as a pass rusher. Um, great, great sort of anticipation off the snap, and um, he's got some quickness about him, and I really like him. So he would be my sort of later round tip if you like. Perfect. And and uh, Pete, then when you're looking at these guys, would you sort of see the same? And is it uh, like because I, I I think now correct me if I'm wrong. Epanisa have has he been on your list as well? Um, Pete has been fairly high, and after him, is there some sort of utility guys or guys that are still flying under the radar that'll be a nice late round pickup? Yeah, so 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 Epanisa is, in my view, the third the third the third third best edge guy in this in this class, and you can you can forget about the first two, Young and Chase on because they'll be long long since gone. And Epanisa is a really interest interesting guy because I think a lot of it's going to. And I think Andy touched on this. A lot of it's going to depend on where teams project him as playing. So, so some 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 of us see him as an edge guy. Some see him as a as definitely is a he's a he's a four three defensive end. Others say he's definitely a three four defensive end, which which is which is which is quite some difference. Um, as Andy said, you know he's he he had a poor combine, which kind of which kind of knocked 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 him knocked him down a piece. But but he's he's a good player. And he's one of those guys again, as Andy described, that if he's there at thirty, he would be tempting. Yeah. My, so I think his value, at, you know, at thirty, I think I think he's probably going to go slightly before that. But he's absolutely value at thirty. I think the question is, would you t- pick him over, you know, somebody else that, uh, uh, let's say Patrick Queen that's available there, or uh, one of the offensive tackles that's available at that spot? That would be the question they'd be asking themselves. So, so personally, I I probably wouldn't be going down that route, but but he would be value if you did take him there. So um, the other two names Andy mentioned, I like as well. Um, Terrell Lewis, I think, would be a first round pick if he didn't have the medical history. So there's an, there's another guy there that you'd have to be, um, you know, you'd have to be really comfortable with that medical situation to be able to spend a high high pick on him uh, and i'll throw another name from kind of further down um and that's Will, willie gay willie gay jr from mississippi state so he's really a really quick um pass rusher off off the edge i think he's a re- really good player um bunch of character concerns had some problems throughout his college career which is why he's kind of slipped way down the board yeah but but if you're able to put that to one side, you know, and again, teams would have to be happy um, that they were on on top of that. I think I think he's a better player than than lots give him lots give him credit for. So he'd be my kind of later sleeper kind of guy, um, Willie Gay Jr. And as you lads have said, I mean, it's a very interesting dynamic if you have a player like Terrell Lewis who has an injury history, and you know, the NFL teams would be well abreast of what's going to happen with the season, whether there's going to be a delay, maybe the NFL decide, right, we're going to actually just postpone it for two months and run the season from there on. Um, We don't know if teams then would value a player like Terrell Lewis higher, right? Because they'd say to themselves, you know, we've an extra while before he's going to see the field. Maybe he gets healthy. We put him on a conditioning program um, and we absolutely get the value at him. But very interesting to hear you say that he would be a first round pick apart from uh, those concerns. So if we can shift our attentions then to cornerbacks and safeties. Andy, I mean, is there an awful lot of value put into cornerbacks and safeties anyway in our defensive scheme with Mike Petton? Or do you think that he only does that not by scheme, but because of necessity, because he didn't have the linebackers to use? But if you give him a linebacker, uh, you know, he's going to use it. So 
cornerbacks and safeties uh, is that a trope that um, they're more valued in the Petten system or, or how do you see that? It's felt like they've been more valued in the Packers system for the last 10 years that's what it's felt like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's felt, it doesn't, I can't remember the last time we didn't draft a cornerback to be honest so it feels as though we've never quite got it right since the days of well going back a, a good while so um, yeah there's, there's some talented cornerbacks this year for sure um, I think the three guys, four guys, five guys at the top will all go in the first round potentially. So that's a, a, a real high number for first round um, draftees. Uh, I really can't see that we're going to go cornerback in the first round yet again. Surely we've got bigger needs elsewhere. But I do think that later later rounds we'll absolutely see the Packers dipping in somewhere. Um, and I guess a lot will depend on what happens with Williamson and Josh Jackson, won't it? Uh, Safety-wise, um, we've got a, a strong... A strong set at safety, haven't we? Mm. At the minute, I think there's there's plenty of potential. I don't think it's a an urgent need, but I think like, like we've alluded to already, I think it's it it's not beyond the realms of possibilities that we that we take somebody there. Um, the guy I would like in the safety crop is the guy from the probably the smallest college out there, which is Kyle Duggar. Yeah, uh, of the higher ones, um, pairing with Jeremy Chin at Southern Illinois, you've got two real athletes. Really, I suppose that's the best way to describe it. Um, Kyle Duggar, do you know who he reminds me of? Is it Nick Collins? Yeah. Who also came from a small college, yeah. didn't he? So it, when I watch the tape of Duggar, he that's, he makes me sort of yearn for Nick Collins and, and don't we all? So uh, that's an interesting guy. But I think there's some guys, well, I sort of let Pete have a bit of a uh, cut in there, but there's some guys later on that we could probably look at both cornerback and safety. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. I mean, talking to those safeties, I mean, the, the two that Andy's mentioned there would be the two... The two that kind of jump off the page at you kind of second, third, kind of third round area, because um, we're not going to go safety in the in, in the first round. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty set with the two starters. But your question was was an excellent one, Steve, because because we play so many, you know, six defensive back um, formations that, that you're almost your third. Your third safety is a is a starter at least half the time. Yeah. You know, and the same with the th- with the third corner. So getting that third the third safety or another safety in that in that group. You know, I know we've got Raven Green, if you like, is the third safety today. But I think getting a, a third one in there would be would be um, you know, a very prudent thing to do. And the two go- the two names that Andy's already mentioned, Kyle Duggar from from um, Lenar Ryan, um, just yeah, the smallest school you could almost imagine of a guy in the draft this year. Uh, uh, Hickory, North Carolina, yeah. um, and then Jeremy Chin again from a small school, Southern Illinois. But as you, as you go further down, um, further down the group, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, the, the next name that that crops out to my mind, I guess, is Kayvon Wallace of of, of Clemson, um, and he's probably going somewhere in the in the middle rounds, and I think the I think the Packers will like him because he he can. He can not only play the, the kind of standard safety position, but he's really good about covering the third receiver in the slot. Yeah. So I think having 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 that guy, I, I think that you know, kind of a versatile third safety or fourth safety, if you like. I think I think the Packers would 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 really would really like would really like him. Um, he's got that who, high RAS score as well, Pete Rasley, that the Packers like, which he is does. A, an indication of someone they'll be interested in. Yeah, he he does. So I th- so I think that's certainly a name to to watch in the middle rounds. And 
Um, so I guess there's a couple of other names. One to throw out in kind of the kind of the later rounds, just because um, he's a player of interest, um, Kenny Robinson Jr., who played in the XFL. Really? So so played played for the um, the St. Louis whatever they were in the Battle Hawks <laughs> or whatever it was in the in in the XFL before that before that went defunct. Um, so. He he ended up there because he ended, he was academically ineligible at, at West Virginia. Yeah. Um, so it's just a player of interest. I mean, he's kind of a if he's going to go anywhere, it's probably in the in the seventh round. But just a name to to um, look out for there. And the other name that comes to my mind is is a guy that we listed as under the radar, as a guy from Canada, um, Marc Antoine Decoy. Um, and the reason he's not in my um, kind of initial initial list and we didn't put him on our in our big board is there's very little film out there of him so i think it would be unfair to kind of us to kind of rank him in there when when we can hardly see you know very much of him play but um he ran 4.35 in the 40 in his in his pro day in in canada there's been lots of positive reports about him i can't really personally like i say really personally comment on 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 his on his playing skills but he's certainly a name to look out for because what strikes me about this current Packers team is is that Darnell Savage is almost too fast I don't know how many times last season we saw him make a break on the ball and actually have to stop his run to try calm himself down a bit because he's he's very twitchy very fast Adrian Amos is unbelievably dependable I believe Pete on your write-up on our website you said that he played what the most amount of snaps on defense for us. Yeah. No, I could be wrong, but wasn't it ninety nine point eight percent or something? That's, that's right. Ridiculous. All but two snaps or something or something silly like that. Yeah. yeah, and that was probably by accident. He was getting Gatorade and didn't realize they hit the field already or something <laughs> because he seemed like he wanted to be there for everything. And then a cornerback, you know, we don't really know Kevin King. Will he stay healthy? He has. The concern with him was as he was picking up shoulder injuries and then it was a hamstring injury and then it was a d- different shoulder and you're kind of thinking, Jesus, how many parts of his body does he have left? You know, and then Jair Alexander, you know, premium in the slot, very fast guy. Um, You know, I believe he got one penalty for jawing around, a very sort of charismatic guy, nice guy to have around. But the thing is, is some of these guys are very small. So when yeah. it comes to shoring up the run, when we're looking at these safeties and cornerbacks, is there big bulky guys that we could pick up here in later rounds? Do you think, Peter, that would sort of shore up that end of yeah, the? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll throw you a late round a late round corner and I'm really stealing Andy's Andy's thunder here because this is this is a guy that 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 Andy picked up on and, and, and really likes. I believe it's it's uh, Reggie Robinson second from Tulsa. Yeah, and he is a he is you know he's kind of a six foot one more than 200 pound corner so he's not a, he's not a small guy he kind of fits into almost kind of where the packers would ideally like like the size of their their corners but he's quick as well he runs in the four fours in the in in the 40 very aggressive physical kind of guy over physical if you like um gives up whole bunches of penalties and um, very and, and, grabby and, isn't he he's, he's, he's very grabby oh, very Jesus. very handsy Jackson again very... all over again is that what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> very handsy very 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 grabby but I'd, I'd rather have a guy like that I'd, i want to i want a physical aggressive corner because they're all going to give up penalties from time to time hmm. and you don't want them obviously to give up too many but i'd rather have that guy than a guy that's that's very passive and yeah and he'll get up there and play and play to run um and what have you? So I think he, I think he's one of those guys that um, is he's a, a guy proper that, athlete, though, isn't he? He's a, he's yeah, a proper absolute, athlete, absolutely yeah. an athlete, and he's a guy that that 
I think is slightly under is slightly underrated, and I know that that as I say, I've stolen Andy's thunder because I know that Andy really likes him. Yeah, I think he was one of the first people, sort of post Christmas, that really, you know, you, you watch certain people, don't you? And he was one of the ones that I wasn't even looking, whatever game he was playing, and he stuck out. And then it was a case of, oh, who's this guy? You know, and and, and he was one of those guys that really stands out for me. So a real possibility there. Um, I also think Harrison Hand from Temple, a, a cornerback, will be available sort of day three, won't he? Um, I think he's a, a good option at cornerback. Um, yep. I think the guy from Iowa, I'll let you say his name, Peter, because again, it's one of those ones I can't pronounce. But I think he's, a, he's as, as an equal to Josh Jackson where he was in his development, so I think he'd be worth a punt. Um, Ojemudia, is it, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at safety, there's one guy I really like, sort of, and he's going to be available probably around six, seven potentially, which is another athlete, really. But it's a luxurious need from Louisiana Tech, who's, who's a, a real, he scored 9.55 on the RAS score. So it just shows you, shows you the sort of uh, depth of his athletic ability. So a name to watch out for on day three. Yeah, I mean, what sort of strikes me about all these things, like edge rusher, you could say that, you know, it'd be a, a sort of, I don't know, we wouldn't have to go there, but if we did, it'd have to be someone special. But when you look at edge rushers, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, do you guys see any game wreckers amongst those crowds? And, you know, can you throw out one name of who you'd ideally like or someone, like you're sort of saying, Andy, a guy, you weren't even there to look at his tape. But all of a sudden, these players sort of stand out as really changing the game. Is there any in this draft that are like that, that we should really be sort of aiming for? Well, I think it's what we, the, the point Peter made there around, you know, about the third safety being a big part of what we do in the third cornerback is, is the right thing, isn't it? So although you wouldn't think that looking at the depth chart, Savage and Amos, we don't need a safety. But if you plug a, a Jeremy Chin or a Kyle Duggar in there, someone yeah. who's a, a big body for a safety, um, which would complement Amos and Savage, that could be a game changer. That really could be a game changer because those guys could cover a tight end. Um, yeah. But they could also eat up the run. You don't have to sort of substitute in and out. And they could really change the dynamic of your defense and make you much more flexible from down to down. So although potentially it's asking a lot for a rookie to come in and be a potential game changer, isn't it? But the fact that they're able to game plan more successfully would, would give you, the, you know, would give Patine a real sort of flexibility within his defense. So it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of it's not an immediate need, but yeah. if the value's there for those two guys in particular, who I think are exceptional athletes, aren't they? I mean, they've both tested off the charts. It's difficult to know what's under the tank because they played at such small colleges. But but my eyes tell me that they're both going to have, you know, long, successful NFL careers. And in Duggar's case, I see something quite special there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And if, you, and if you're looking for a guy that, that makes splash plays, Steve, you know, a guy that makes turnovers, then, then Jeremy Chin's your man, you know, um, 19, 19 turnover plays in college, 13 interceptions, six force fumbles. Um, you know, so he's, he's absolutely your man. And, and, and you, you question mark, as, as Andy said, your only real question mark about him is the level of competition is, is, you know, to expect a guy to jump, three or four levels to the NFL is, is a huge leap to make now. So you, so you have to understand that even if you think he can make that jump, let, let's, let's be open and, and, and understand that he may not make that jump in the first year. Yeah. So, so this is a, it's an absolute case where, you know, you, you, you're drafting a guy for the future, but you, you want him to come in and he's going to play in the first year, 
and but he's not necessarily going to be your number three safety in the first year. But you're expecting a guy there that in the future is going to be, you know, one of one of your main men. Yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic at both positions, isn't it? Because when you look at Kevin King, a big, tall, rangy guy, slight of body, let's say, but massive wingspan, and you would think it's hard to know what the Packers are going to do there. You know, do they sort of in, are they going to let him ride out the year and sort of say, well, look, if he doesn't get injured, happy days. If he picks up one injury, he's definitely gone. In that case, do they try sort of drafting a successor to him to sort of show him the door? Um, and then the opposite sort of position at safety with Amos getting that contract, Darnell Savage, you know, fantastic rookie season. You can only imagine that the, you know, the sky's the limit for him. So if you draft a guy, and as you say, uh, you know, Jeremy Chin, a guy who's going to come in, he's not going to be expected, as we said, to sort of wreck the game, but he's going to come in, be very complimentary to the scheme. And then also you have two guys already in there at safety. That if you were to add this guy, you have three long-term guys at the safety position and if they're good they shore that up and then you can kind of focus on different parts of the roster so it sort of sounds I guess counterintuitive but maybe has some credence to it so um, Andy overarching then sort of to wrap it up then on defence um, how are you feeling going into this draft then defensively in, in this uh, this year for the Packers um, you feeling good about it? Yeah I think they have to address some needs absolutely um, I mean your heart tells you that they need to focus on offence because they've neglected it for so long um, the offensive line is obviously a big priority and, and we and we clearly need that skill spot at wide receiver. So those two are high priority. But I think the defence is potentially, if we could strike gold, is probably two players away from being a you know a top 10 elite defence, isn't it? So uh, that's what you're looking for, really. It's two real difference makers that can that can take us over the edge, really. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I, think, I think the real, the struggle they've got in the first round defensively is trying to get a guy that's value at 30 uh, in the, in the positions that they need. So, so if, if you look at, as we've t- talked about defensive line and, and an inside linebacker, if you like, are the two primary needs, if you, if you will, at, on the defensive side of the ball and trying to get a guy that's absolute value at 30 in those two positions, I think will be difficult. You know, the, 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 there's good guys before they pick. And then there's a solid bunch of guys after they pick you know, it, it's you know, unless they're lucky and one of the guy at the inside linebackers drops to 30, it's it's difficult to, to see a guy that gives you absolute value at, at 30. Yeah, what we want to, the ideal scenario, without doubt, is a small trade back. It's finding that trade partner, whether it's San Diego, whether it's Indianapolis, whether it's somebody we can trade back the, the, the places we need to and pick up that sort of meat of the sandwich in that sort of middle to late second round and third round portion and, and pick sort of three or four players over that period right the way through to the fourth round that's going to make a difference. That's for me, is where the key to the draft lies, really. Because um, there's some real sort of depth in the likes of cornerback, and you may find that some really good players drop further than they should have done because of such a depth of talent there. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's ideal, Andy, isn't it? That if they trade back, then we sort of do away with this conundrum because kind of where I'm at from, and again, my knowledge on college players is so deep, it actually doesn't exist. That's just how, that's the vortex you need to go into. But from listening to you boys uh, talking about these guys, the fear for me is is the guy, that we get kind of stuck in between, you know, uh, a good defensive lineman versus, you know, a serviceable enough offensive lineman, but then a good linebacker at the same time. And to almost do away with that conundrum, trade back a little bit. Peter, are you hoping for that trade back as well? Is that the only uh, thing yeah, that makes no, sense at this point? It it, it it does right now. I mean, it, it you know, I the way that I suspect it's going to go is that the Packers are just going to sit. They're going to sit 
and they're going to sit and they're just going to see how the board how the board drops. But but when it gets to round about pick between pick fifteen and twenty, hmm. they're on the phone to a bunch of t- bunch of teams at that point considering considering a trade down, and they might not make that trade down until you know we get to pick twenty seven or twenty eight. But they're on the phone to guys two hours before that. Um, for me, you, know, you could almost look across the board, whether it's offensively and defensively, and it seems like you know that kind of thirty position is just stuck. You're yeah. stuck between the devil and the deep blue, the deep blue sea there, and and you know it's it's often the way, and there'll be other teams, you know, in the same positions, you know, picking at twenty eight and twenty nine, and 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 the, and the Chiefs at thirty two, all probably thinking something very something very similar, just um just depending on what their on what their needs are, um, but for me, because because the Packers, you can make a case for the Packers picking at so many different positions mm. that it just makes sense to. If we can, if we can find a trade partner, as Andy said, to try and move back a few slots, pick up an extra pick or an extra couple of picks, um, and you know, and try and fill as many as many different positions as as, as you can. Yeah, and I mean, if one thing we know about Gudekunst, and you know, we still have to sort of settle down into exactly what his body type is, uh, not him personally, but the players he selects. And but one thing that we do know about <laughs> Gudekunst is, is that. Um, you know, this is a guy who likes to wheel and deal, Dale Boy style. He likes to move up and down uh, as he pleases, you know, by trading back and then trading back up again. And we've seen some nice inventive stuff. Now, as Andy says, we don't know what that dynamic is going to be like because it's all virtual now. And um, does that mean that they'll have more time to do that? Less time? You know, are they going to be trying to communicate with their internal staff? Um, are they all going to be in a room somewhere, you know, at either end of a big banquet table so that they don't get too close? I mean, we really don't know what the dynamic there is going to be. They've allowed one IT support guy each, aren't they? That's, that's, is that that's what, what it is? Yeah, one, it's, it's, it's going to make you really interested, isn't it? That's what, I, that's what I've heard anyway. So I think it's going to be a, it's going to be different, isn't it? For sure. There's a list of about five or six guys that I would stand pat for. So if they drop and the board falls our way, then we don't move anywhere. But other than that, and it's unlikely for me, yeah, um, I'd be I'd be sure ringing everybody just to see if there's a, a trade partner there. And a, a lot depends on the QBs. A lot depends on the QBs because our best chance of somebody coming back into round one to take somebody early doors would be a, a, there's a QB there waiting for to be snapped up. So. so, so, so I think I think I think in an ideal world the Packers would want Tua to drop. Um, you know the medical concerns get so great that it yeah. starts dropping down the board, and all of a sudden, um, you know. Team teams in the mid to late first round, or it gets gets to that area, and there's somebody sitting in the second round thinks I want to trade back into the first round. Mm, yeah, and, and and they may be considering two trades. If I can get to thirty, then I can get from thirty to twenty. So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely right. And then of course if Jordan, Jordan Love is is around, um, that absolutely helps. I think the other thing that that you just can't cater for, and we'll know this after about ten to. 12 picks is whether there's one or two complete wild cards that go early so last year if you remember the Raiders took Cleveland, Cleveland Ferrell in the top <laughs> in the top 10 I think about pick four or something yeah, last was, yeah. year I can't remember the exact exact number now we were all expecting him to be a first rounder probably but not until a lot later in the first round which meant that clearly somebody else then was dropping and that will be the thing that we'll see early in this draft if if somebody who's not in our top 12 or 13 on our big board is picked in that top 12 or 13, then it means somebody that we didn't expect to drop is going to start, is going to start to drop. 
Great stuff, lads. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff, brilliant insight again. Uh, that's the defensive rundown, offense on part one. Now we're not gonna, we are gonna do a part three podcast, but don't worry, people, it's not gonna be on special teams, all right? Because that's a special two parter <laughs> that comes in before the draft. Each part being at least a minute and a half each. Um, you know, Mason Crosby being given that big money. I don't know if we bring people in to put the fire under his arse, but that's just me. But anyway, so our next podcast is gonna be released on. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's going to be talking a little bit about special teams. And also, the lads are sitting on some absolute dynamite hot takes um, that we haven't um, given yet. And again, when I say dynamite hot takes, I mean it right, because these are two boys who are so objective, um, it's unbelievable. And for anyone of these guys to have hot takes, you know, it's not hot garbage, it is a hot take and something that's a premonition. And Andy had that uh, as smooth as you like. thing what was it two years ago now Andy about the running backs uh, I say I'd say it every time my jaw was to the floor uh, when it swung around and all of a sudden we had these running backs still on the roster yeah so you, you and Ryan were in love with Sonny Michel weren't you you had this fixation with them and you thought that Aaron Jones and and um, Jamal Williams wouldn't wouldn't supplant them and yeah oh so wrong you were I know yeah uh, well do you see the thing is I should have edited that part out but I'm going to leave it in because there's egg on my face yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> Perfectly okay. Only Andy and maybe some, you know, random scout off some other team actually predicted it, whereas everybody else, and probably Peter as well, because Peter's already projected into 2034 um, at this stage as well. Uh, you know, he's seeing players in high school and going, you know what, there you go, that's the next cigar smoking Joe Burrow. Uh, but anyway, that I leave that there. Um, so, look, uh, I've been at Steady the NFL, the two boys, and I will stress, absolutely fantastic coverage at Pooley Shrew, at IT Hedgehog. Um, and the two boys go back and forth on Twitter even between themselves so if you follow both you'll get the conversation and you'll just you know jot it down and then tell somebody else that information because you're going to sound very very clever um, you know I'm sort of giving away my trade secrets here so it's at IT Hedgehog for Peter Jones it's at Pooley Shrew for Andy Davies and of course the draft guide is on our website now also so I think we wrap it up there boys um, uh, fantastic to have you on we've got some excellent feedback on part one so anybody listening to this podcast if you haven't listened to part one by all means go back and of course uh, go on to youtube.com forward slash UK Packers because there's 10 minute Tuesday where I'm going to give a Away, uh, Charles Woodson jersey and it's a Reebok one so it's really really nice as we finish boys let's have the final say here Andy Reebok or Nike jersey which one is the weapon of choice for you Reebok all the way all the way Pete yeah I'm with you guys Reebok there you go and if I'm giving away a Nike jersey next week it's going to be Nike you better believe it's going to be <laughs> I'll pay off the lads beforehand but the real secret here is and not to do ourselves out of a Nike sponsorship Reebok had it going on so anyway that's the podcast for this week From me and the lads, uh, we'll talk to you Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a big go, Pat, go, and see you then.